Hey listeners, are you enjoying our podcasts and coaching advice? Do you feel like some guidance and accountability could help you stay motivated and focused during these uncertain pandemic times? We love connecting with our listeners and collaborating to make training work for your goals, your life, your personality. As a thank you for listening to our podcast, we want to offer any new clients $20 off the first month of coaching, which is normally $150. Email us at Julie and Lisa at runfartherandfaster.com to set up a time to connect over the phone to learn more. And be sure to mention this special offer as one of our loyal listeners. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Good, we're back. <laughs> we just can't get, can't stay away from each other. We can't stop talking. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Do you two ever stop talking? Nope. No. Nope, really so okay. explain, Lisa, why we're back so quickly and what we're doing today. Because we can't stop talking. No, we, um, we mentioned last week on the podcast when we reviewed the Not Sob, uh, which is Boston backwards, marathon that I did that we really would love to talk to the race director, Mark Courtney, who not only was the race director and pulled off a really great virtual, actually in-person virtual Boston, but who himself is a very accomplished runner. And we thought it would be really interesting to talk to him. And we had a lot of people tell us after that they wanted to hear more about the race and how he pulled that off and, and about him. So we reached out to him and as consistent with how generous he's been throughout this whole process of, of preparing for this race, he was happy to talk to us. So we had the privilege of bringing him on today. So we get to see each other again and, and talk to each other again. So, and we are preparing this week. We've got a lot going on to start our, um, our virtual speed and strength program. Speed and strength is a program we've done, I think seven years now. I think I was looking back and our first year was 2013. So I think this is our seventh year of speed and strength. And it is definitely our most popular and most, I wouldn't say effective, but you can see the results. The, the most clearly, I think, in, in this program where we start at the beginning of the season with a group of runners of all different levels and abilities, and we really just hone in and focus on some lower total mileage, but on sharpening, so on speed and on strength. And we bring trainers in to work on the strength, and we work usually speed on the track. Um, and, and everybody we've seen improve. We start with a one-mile time trial. We end with a one-mile time trial. And we've seen those improvements. And not only that, but typically the people who go on to run fall races, usually 10Ks, half marathons, marathons, see that speed transfer into those, you know, into that, into that base and that training. So uh, we were kind of struggling with what to do this year because we can't get on a track and we certainly can't get permits to get on a track, nor would we want to get a group to people, of people together at this point. So we decided to try it virtually and, and I'm really excited about it. Me too. I'm so glad we decided to do it. Um, Kelly Scherf of R&J, who's been a guest on our podcast, she she convinced us to do it because we were reluctant to go virtual. We're like so many of our listeners, I'm sure we're, we're tired of the word virtual. Um, but she has been a participant in the program herself and she talked to us about it and said, why wouldn't you do it? It's a great program and you can still have the same impact virtually. So we listened to her advice and we put it together and I'm really proud of what we put together for this particular program, Lisa, because we do change our programs every year. We don't replicate the same schedule year after year. So this one, um, I think is very thoughtful and the trainers, the guest trainers we have coming in to do weekly workouts, which we'll, we have um, videos of that we upload to the schedule are terrific. It's uh, Christine Eric Drew from Prime Fitness who have been guests on our podcast. Um, we also have Kelly Redman, who's been a guest on our podcast, Team Fit, who's doing a workout, and they've submitted those so far. And we've asked a few other trainers who are going to provide us workouts as well. So um, in addition, Rachel Miller is going to do a talk for our runners, who's been a guest on our podcast. And uh, I think it's going to be a great program. So that starts uh, this week. And tonight, we have a Zoom call with all of our registered participants to kind of show them how to use Final Surge and get them. Um, adjust it. Yeah, and we should say registration is still open. So if anybody's listening and thinks that this might be a, a, a program that is, is good for them, the, the 
the only prerequisite is that you be doing some running currently and we've set kind of the minimum or the baseline of being able to run 30 minutes pretty continuously and that you're doing that already two or three times a week. So it's not, this particular program is not for totally new runners, um, but you know, as long as you can run a few times a week, if, as long as you're currently running a few times a week and you can run about 30 minutes continuously, we have two levels of schedules. So that, that would be more of the lower mileage schedule. And then there's a higher mileage schedule for those people, which are, are kind of a, a large portion of, of who's participating right now are people who are just coming off of marathons or half marathon virtual marathons or half marathons or had been training at high mileage and now is a really good time to scale that mileage back and and work on sharpening and kind of challenge your body in a little bit different ways than the high mileage did and um, so we have a good number of people doing that so we have a higher mileage schedule for those and so we're able to accommodate both so registration is still open and if that sounds like something that you'd like it's an online training log so you get the accountability of having that right there that you know what your workout is for the day you'll get reminders uh, you can check in with us through the comments in, in final surge and we'll have weekly calls with either ourselves as a coaching call or our speakers that are coming to to um, to talk to our group and we'll have weekly zoom calls. So everyone will get to see each other. Even if it's virtual, we're still having an opportunity to get together and encourage each other. So uh, registrations on our website and, uh, and is still open. Like I said, we start on Saturday and we'll have a call tonight, but we'll record that call for anybody who misses it. So Lisa, a lot of people have asked us, so I'll ask you to answer this. How is this different from our virtual coaching that we already do? That's a great question. Uh, well, I, I like to say that, you know, our virtual coaching, that, that it's different in, in a substantial way, but any coaching that we do, we're really invested in our runners and in making sure that the program works for them. But in this particular program, it's a group program. So everyone's getting, depending on what your level is, but you're getting the same schedule. So it's not customized to your schedule or to your particular goals or the really specifics of your running. So it's a group schedule. Um, and... Uh, with our individual private virtual coaching, we're really hands-on pretty much every day communicating with our runners and looking at their runs and analyzing them and answering their questions. We won't be able to, given the size of this group, be able to get into those really small details of looking and analyzing each individual run, but we'll still be there, obviously, for questions and follow-up and for accountability. All right. So, Lisa, I want to ask you, how is your recovery going since you ran your marathon last week? It's great. I mean, I feel, I feel pretty good. I was, took things very easy, um, enjoyed some extra sleep last week, but, um, you know, I've been back out and, and this is typically my routine after a marathon is that I just get back to some very easy, shorter running and mixing in more cycling. So I've actually been doing that yesterday. I, while, while my kids were in cycle practice, I took my bike along and I went for a ride to some loops and near where they were riding and got in some cycling. So, um, but I, I feel really good. I also know though that, um, and we tell our runners who just run marathons this as well, that this is kind of the prime injury time. My body is still recovering from running 26.2 miles. And even though I feel great and I feel like I could go out and run another one next weekend, I, I wouldn't do that. And I've got to watch that very carefully, especially as we get older. I feel like we need more, more recovery, but really any, any runner who's just run a marathon, what happens a lot of times, is, and, and I feel like this happened to me a little bit, we come off of it, we're on a high, we're on a runner's high and we're like, oh, great. Like what next? What can I do? Um, and, and luckily we don't have races on the calendar right now to tempt us to sign up for another actual race. Um, but I will say I, I, you know, I had signed up for several races that I kind of forget that I signed up for that are now virtual. So one is the Broad Street 10 miler, and that was supposed to be in May, and then it got postponed to October, and then it got turned into virtual. So I started getting the reminder emails of like, you need to do your virtual, and we're sending you your swag. And again, I'm not really into the virtual races, but I thought if they're sending me the stuff, like I feel like I at least have to run that. So I did um, go out and run 10 miles this past weekend. Just, um, yeah, just this past weekend, I ran 10 easy miles. And what was really interesting with this race, and maybe listeners have done some virtual races this way. I hadn't just because I haven't done many, but it used the Race Joy app. And you turn on the app, you, you register for your race, you turn on the app, you hit start and you start running. And it, and it gives you um, audibles as you go. So at mile one, it was, 
you were at aisle one. If you look to your left, you would see, you know, if you were on the course, if you look to your left, you may see, I forget what the cues were, but like Temple University is on your left. If you look to the right and it has cheers and cowbells at like mile one, and then it's quiet until you get to mile two, it, it calls out your split. So it'll say that mile was, you know, this pace, this is your estimated finish, this is your total lapse time, your estimated finish time. So it's kind of cool to hear that along the way. So I did, um, I did do that this weekend, but again, it was just to get the 10 miles in and done so that I could have that, you know, checked off. Um, so, uh, you know, I don't know if I'll do that for the other races I was registered for. I was registered for, um, you might remember last year, I, I was registered for the Baltimore Marathon, but I decided to do the Marine Corps Marathon 50K. So I deferred Baltimore to this year and had kind of forgotten until again, I got the emails that said Baltimore is virtual and here I'm obviously not, not going to do that now, but, um, but yeah, so to answer your question, what is, how's my recovery is going great. And I'm kind of enjoying just back down to some, some lower mileage and some flexibility and what I can do and um, trying to figure out, you know, what next. Excellent. Well, I've been thinking a lot about what's next because as a runner, but also as a coach, like a lot of our runners have asked us over the past few weeks, now that they've kind of made decisions with respect to what to do for fall, not knowing what the winter and spring brings is unsettling for a lot of runners. We all like to have our goals. We like to sort of know what to do. And we've all been floundering in terms of specific goals for quite a while and, and adapting and figuring it out as we go. And I hate using this word, but I will use it navigating, but we're at a point now where, you know, it's been, it's been over six months. And if we're going to train for things in the spring at that point, it will be a year since March 13th, since um, we sort of were in a position of quarantine. So I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm becoming more and more hopeful as I see emails coming through about this. And of course our guest today that there will be races in the spring, but they're not going to look like the big races we know and love. Um, for example, this week I received an email that both Disney races run Disney races were canceled for the spring, the um, Disney marathon and half marathon weekend um, has turned virtual and the princess half marathon in February has turned virtual. So um, this is a pattern we're seeing that some of these spring races, uh, February is not quite spring, but for purposes of this conversation, it's, it's close enough, are starting to go virtual. But there are races that are happening all over that are small and creative, and they are not virtual. And if the course is certified, then I see no problem with telling our runners, let's target a race, let's find a marathon, let's find a half marathon whatever race you want to do, that's a real live race. And we're just going to have to be scrupulous about it while recognizing that there's always a possibility of a cancellation. There seems to be a certain theme of the types of races that are not canceled. And that is that they're small. They're in localities that have support where permits aren't going to be pulled. So it's important to look at historical data when you look at a race to see have, have their permits been pulled at the last minute. And they have seasoned race directors that know what they're doing, that are providing safe, uh, a safe COVID precautionary race experience while implementing things that allow the race to be certified and organized. Any other factors that you can think of, Lisa? Yeah, and, and that they're communicating those factors. So if you're looking at the website, you see we have a COVID plan here. They're very transparent about it. If you don't see anything mentioned about COVID, then that's, I would think, a red flag. Um, but absolutely, I think looking for, and, and you had mentioned getting an email this week about, um, about uh, Disney, but we've also gotten some emails this week about races that are popping up that are, um, there's a local race here that's coming up in October now that is certified and timed and limited to 50 runners. And it is very, they have a very clear policy. They're capping the, the numbers. They have the permissions. Um, so there's always a chance that something could change at the last minute for any of these races. And if our numbers go up or something happens this fall, then certainly that could, that could change. But right now that's, that's, you're exactly right. Those are kind of the factors to look at. I mean, I have to think some of the bigger races, California International Marathon, CIM is one that, you know, there's a lot of talk about that, you know, will that happen? Will it not? And it's really hard to imagine. I mean, so there's a race that's a lot of people and it's in California where their restrictions are, you know, much greater. Um, and so that I would think would be weighted towards not being likely to happen. But then you look at the smaller races, 
that have precautions in place and have pretty serious caps. Um, Revel, Mount Charleston just announced a really creative kind of three, three possible days of racing. Um, so I think that these races are finding ways to now, um, again, not to overuse the word, but navigate <laughs> to, to restructure their races in a way that can be safe. And, and as we've seen through some of the races that have happened, it, it, can, it can absolutely happen and it's just not going to look like what we've seen. So I agree with you in that some of our runners who are like, you know, I'd really like to run a marathon in the spring or I'd really like to run my first half marathon. I, I don't want to do it virtually. I think my, my inclination is going to be that we'll be able to find some of those races. It's just you're going to have to be a little bit more open-minded. Yeah, well said. And to that end, you know, we don't know. This is a, as we said, this is a Boston Marathon focused podcast. So we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Boston specifically. And we don't, we don't know what's going to happen with respect to Boston. But what we do know is that there's always an opportunity to BQ on a marathon certified course. So even if we're not sure of the timing of a BQ, if that's a goal of yours to BQ, or maybe your goal is to take your BQ time and bring it down a little bit, you can do that in the spring, regardless of what the BAA decides with respect to Boston. So as you look out into the vast open field of goals and you're over the whole world of virtual racing, keep in mind that there is a strong possibility that real races will be available and provided that you choose one wisely and if that will motivate you to stay on top of your running over the winter and have something to look forward to, then we encourage you to consider that. So um, not only choosing wisely, but also having the flexibility in your mind mm -hmm. that if that gets canceled, like, okay, we may need to look for another small one. And that's happened to some of our runners where they had something on the calendar for fall and we've had to, you know, and it's gotten canceled or you know, something's happened and we've been able to look now at this point where there are some that are popping up where we can say, okay, well, instead of that, look, there's this one in October that looks like it's going to happen. So I think you just have to be able to also have the flexibility to not put that date on your, in your mind or on your calendar written in pen and just know that you might have to, may have to find, you know, maybe tweak your training a little bit and, and target a different date. Yes. And I think it's also important to uh, be flexible with yourself. And what I mean by that is that perhaps right now it seems very possible to target a race because you sort of anticipate what your life is going to look like over the next few months. And then all of a sudden things change and, you know, we're all having to adapt and um, really, really lean in in certain circumstances because things are constantly changing. I mean, look, uh, most of us have our kids home for school, so we don't necessarily have the time that maybe we had before to get a few things done here and there because during the day we're working and we're also trying to um, help out with school to make sure that everyone is on task. And then maybe those windows of opportunity to go for your run aren't as available as they used to be because maybe your runs were super early in the morning, but that's when you have to get up really early to do your work because you're not able to do your work as easily during the day when the kids are home. So there's a lot of things going on with our running right now that make it also hard to be able to target something. But if you're the kind of person where having a goal is what motivates you, then, then just do it, make it a goal and maybe it won't be your best race, but just having something to look forward to is super important during these times. And if that's something that's going to make you happy as a runner, then go for it. Now on the flip side, that's going to be something that's going to make you stressed out as a runner. That's okay too. You do not have to have a race to be able to continue running. And it certainly doesn't legitimize you or delegitimize you as a runner if you choose to race or not race. Well said. Good words of advice moving forward into this next kind of phase of, uh, you know, next stage of the year. And um, as we start to go again through those dates that we usually mark on in our heads and in our running um, years, you know, Marine Corps Marathon and all those races that typically would be coming up later, you know, this month and into October, November, New York City, Philly, like all of those races would have been happening. So as we're going through that and kind of feeling that void, I think that's great advice as we, as we start to move forward into that next phase. Absolutely. So um, coming up next, as we mentioned earlier, we are super excited to welcome 
S. Mark Courtney to the podcast. He is the owner of the race timing company Run High, which um, has been around for many, many years. And he has an incredible uh, running resume as well as race director resume. Um, and we were super excited to talk with him. And we know that you will find as listeners that the insight that he provides will give you sort of the confidence to know that there is a light at the end of the tunnel with respect to racing. Yep. It's going to, it's going to come back and it'll be in phases, I think. And it won't look like what we're used to for a little while, but I think eventually, I hope eventually it'll come back and we'll be back, you know, in athletes village in Hopkinton or, you know, at the start line of the New York city marathon with lots of other runners, but just may take a while. Absolutely. So um, without further ado, we are going to welcome S. Mark Courtney to the podcast. Lisa, I hope you have a great week. Thanks. You too, Julie. Bye. Bye. Are you finding yourself wearing your running shoes even when you're not running? Maybe you need a replacement pair sooner than you think. If so, definitely check out RJ Sports in Maryland. RJ Sports is located in Rockville and Bethesda and they are a terrific locally owned running store with personalized attention to ensure that you have the right shoe for your foot and your gait. They know what they're doing. And if you live out of town, you can still call RJ Sports or check out their website, rnjsports.com, to find the right shoe for you. If you have any questions, simply call the store and they will be happy to help you. If you make a purchase of over $100 or more, mention the Run Farther and Faster podcast and R&J Sports will throw in a free pair of Belega socks. Check out R&J Sports. Thanks so much to them for sponsoring our podcast today. Mark Courtney, we are so excited to welcome you to the Run Farther and Faster podcast. Uh, we did our last episode on the NOTSOB, an OTSOB marathon that you just put on. Uh, in in Pennsylvania last weekend and we got so much great feedback of people wanting to hear more about the race and more about you and your accomplishments and you so kindly have offered to to talk to us today so thank you so much for coming on. I'm glad to be here this is going to be fun. Great. So first of all, congratulations to you. You, um, you finished the race. I got to see you finish. And you had said before the race, I think in one of the race emails that your goal was a 345 and you finished closer to 335, I think, right? Right. Yeah. Great. So congratulations to you. And, and that was your, what consecutive Boston marathon for you was that? That was number 41. Wow, 41. That is, that is incredible. And, and we're going to talk in a little bit more about your amazing accomplishments. But before the race, um, we brought several, several of our runners up to run the race. And one of our runners is from Ohio, not far from you. And her parents came to watch the race. And her father was telling me about you. He said you are a local legend and was telling me about you before the race. So you have a lot of accomplishments that we definitely want to talk about. Um, but we want to hear about the race. And you know, why, why, why did you put this together? What, you know, what, what was the inspiration to put this together? Where did it start? And um, yeah, tell us a little bit about that. Well, the, the monkey on my back, or I guess I call it the gorilla on my back now is to keep the Boston Marathon streak alive with 40 in a row. Um, the way the Boston Athletic Association is running the streakers is if you did the virtual it counted as one of the streaks. Your streak continued. If you did decided not to do the virtual, it would be sequential. So, so in my case, it's you, you want to get as many as you can at this point. So, it was a no-brainer that I had to do the virtual in order to get one more up on the on the ante. So, I was trying, the last thing I'm and I've not been a really favorable of um, the virtual events. Um, I participated in a couple of them only because they were canceled and I was already registered. But um, I just, as a competitive runner for 40 years, I just can't see going out in your backyard and running a 5K, spending 30, 40 bucks for a race and sending in your time and getting a t-shirt in the mail. It just uh, is not part of my uh, genre. But uh, with Boston being Boston, I had to do it just because of the reasons I just said. So, and the last thing I really wanted to do was go out and run 26 miles on the back roads in my community to so either with somebody or a partner or just uh, break it up or whatever. That's hard enough to run a 
15 miler or a 20 miler, let alone have to do 26 on your own. So I thought well, we could try to find a, a, a venue to do a marathon and get some other people to join us. And um, that's where we started Lake Latonka. Um, we've had multiple races there in the past, some 5Ks that started and finished where uh, we had uh, the marathon. And um, one of my running friends and I went up this summer and did a loop around the lake. Actually, originally around the lake, it didn't go all the way around. That trail part that we did below the dam and back up was added in recent years. So it was sort of a horseshoe. So it was never a full loop around the lake. Once they added that, and we went up one Sunday morning to run it and had my GPS on and bingo, it came out 5.2 miles. 5.2 times uh, five was 26. I mean, we couldn't get any more perfect than that. And once I certified it, it came out, you know, just actually the, the actual certified distance, I think is about 50 yards long of 26 miles for five laps. So that's why we added that little point two on at the beginning. And then after that, it was an even laps, five laps, and nobody had to walk very far to get to the start or to the finish. Yeah, and we should say you're, you're, you are the owner of the Runner's High, which is a, a race timing and um, computer services service right so you you this is something that you do you start you get you've done gotten races certified before in time races so it's something you're familiar with right i, I think i've probably i'm pretty sure i've time, i've certified more races in pennsylvania than almost everybody else put together uh, the last i looked there was around 250 races that i have put in the certification books over the years many of them were a long time ago back in the 80s 90s when certified races were uh, a lot more rampant but uh, nowadays people are just happy with an accurate course and uh, certification only pops up mostly for marathons and high profile races um, I've been directing races since 1980 and done probably well over 200 races that I've actually directed. We do a four race series in, in uh, Mercer County in the summer uh, on Wednesday nights, four or five K's in a row and, and everybody gets something special for running all four races. So I've been timing races for, I've been directing races for a lot of years and it's, it, um, it was just a no brainer to put this together. Mark, I wanted to ask you, what was the process like uh, during COVID to get this idea around the neighborhood where Lake Latonka is located and to propose the race? What did that look like for you? Did you have um, a lot of objection or were people pretty on board in Mercer, in Mercer, Pennsylvania right away? Well, the only stumbling block I really had to deal with was the Lake Latonka community because it is a private community. Um, They've sometimes been open for us to have races out there, sometimes not, uh, depending who the president of the board is at the time. Um, they have their own little fun run out there in the summer. This is called the Friendly Frolic. that has been going on for 37 years for their, for their residents. It's a two-mile race, and they have food and stuff for them afterwards. So I do the timing for that. So I know quite a few of the people that some live out there that work on the administrative part of the board and um, just with that event. So... Um, my first step was to contact somebody from, from there. And I, I have a contact that, uh, this Terry Hart, if you remember, she's, she was the one who was in a golf cart that was whizzing around. She was amazing. I loved her. She was so great. She had on her cart that day. And I saw her lots of times. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, so she was my go between. She was the ambassador for the whole thing. So she went to battle for me and she just thought this was super exciting to be able to have a Boston marathon virtual event in Lake Latonka. So she went to battle for me at the, at the, um, their board meeting and um, it was unanimously voted in. And uh, at that point I could start promoting it. So um, I was in her big thing was to make sure, you know, we didn't obstruct anything and didn't have, didn't litter and we cleaned up after ourselves and everything. But um, she went beyond the call of duty that morning in the, her little golf cart going around. It was, it was funny that I, I announced at the uh, starting line that someone had stolen my um, heartbreak hill sign and it was on that hill and on the second lap around, um, it was about a half mile before the finish. Uh, if you remember that little party that was on the right hand side. Oh yeah, the, the Bloody Marys, the, the detour to the Mary. Bloody Marys. Yeah, right, just before that, I got a glimpse out of the corner of my eye of something white on a driveway that was a few driveways back and I think that may be my sign. 
So I waited till she came past in her cart and I says, Terry, I think house number, I looked at the mailbox, it was house 215. I said, go check out 215 and see if that's my sign. Sure enough, it was the sign and about the time we got around to the dam, she had it in place, which was actually pretty nice because it was on the third lap, fourth lap is when Heartbreak Hill is at Boston, as you know, so. Yeah, it was so funny, it, it materialized there on my third lap and I thought, hey, that was supposed to be missing. I thought maybe somebody brought it back because they felt bad, but that's great that she, yeah. She found it. She you you found it, and she she got it back in the right place. Yeah, it was um, um it, it certainly felt like heartbreak hill on that fifth time around. I'm sure you felt the same thing. It was that that hill seemed awful big on that last time. Yep, and you know it it, it um it uh it just takes away some of your momentum when you try you get up that hill and you get it to the top, and it's like you got to get back into your rhythm. But right. but it was fair. I think it was fair. You know, it, it was you know we were doing a, a virtual Boston, so it was certainly fair. Right. The uh, we posted the. Uh, uh, on one of the race timers groups, uh, someone had posted a picture, of, or I had sent them the picture of my Sitco sign and my Hereford and Boylston Street sign. And uh, someone's um, for, you know, first comment I saw on there is, oh, "Why is the Sitco sign blue?" And uh, I have I have a big banner printer, but right now it's half on the blink and only can print black and blue, and I can't get the red and red and yellow. So that's why the Sitco sign wasn't full color in the traditional orange and red colors. So, Mark, just a follow-up. Um, so, you, it sounds like it was a pretty smooth process with respect to um, being able to get the permits and what you felt you needed in terms of the cooperation from the Lake Latonka community. Right. Were, were you surprised um, that the race didn't fill up? And what, what was your capacity? And were you surprised when it didn't meet that capacity? A good question. You're right. I was very surprised. Um, I tried to advertise it in a lot of the um, regional and national stuff as much as I could. I'd, I'd done my homework, and it, if, if you remember the way the application was on the on the online registration, I had a lot of details um, more than I put on any other race. So I'd spent a lot of time putting it together, just hoping it was going to materialize. So as soon as they gave approval to have the race, I was ready to go live with that. So I put, tried to put it on marathonguide.com and it, it was a big stumbling block. I'd never really dealt with marathonguide.com because I've never um, submitted a marathon for them before. But apparently they, uh, some of their employees have been laid off because of the COVID thing. And there's a lot of stuff that's not being updated as fast as it normally is throughout the year. So um, my running friend that was, uh, help me do the timing at the finish. He's good friends with Chuck Engel, who's he runs a lot. He's run a, a ton of sub three hour, sub 230 marathons. And um, he took it upon himself to get it updated on there. But the bottom line is I was, I was trying to get it advertised in a lot of places so that when it opened on August 1st at noon, I thought within minutes it would fill up. That, that, that's between the like said, running magazines, uh, Run Ohio, the running clubs. I wanted to get the word out, so it would be like Marine Corps and these races where you it fills up in minutes or hours. And uh, when it was only open to 75 people, um, I, I, I had um, asked the community for either 50, 75, or 100. So they approved the 75 is what it was. But we got you know, quite a few in the first uh, 10 minutes of the people who were watching and did it, and then it just trickled in. So I was shocked we ended up with 34 and uh, was a little bit disappointed. I put a lot of work into it, and it, was, it would have been not a bit more work uh, to get 75. You know, we found out about the race um, through this Facebook group that someone created called Marathons That Are Not Canceled. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so um, that group is, is pretty active, and there are quite a few races like yours around the country that are popping up with a capacity, um, with numbers that you just stated. And um, we shared pictures from the race on that page, and um, a few people who are also members of that, of that group were very, very complimentary to you and thought you did an outstanding job. Not that you need more validation because you know you did it was a great race but i just wanted to share that all around people were giving you huge props for what you did and so while the numbers weren't what you anticipated uh the race was a huge success and hopefully will become a boilerplate for other races to be able to do the same thing right there was another race in pennsylvania another marathon um the, the unicorn was canceled it was the day before and it was canceled just the front, uh, a day before that. So we picked up a couple of late entries from New Jersey that were 
excited about running a marathon. We're in shape for it. And all of a sudden, um, Harrisburg uh, didn't approve their permit at the last minute and they had to cancel the race. So um, I think we were the first marathon in Pennsylvania for the year because everything else has been, been canceled. Yeah, I think so too. We, we had a runner who was supposed to run that race and we tried to get her to come to come out to run it. She had already had a Airbnb reservations though and her godparents lived right nearby. So she still wanted them to be able to see her. But uh, but we know that was literally just a couple days before. So um, yeah, so. so um, about the, the COVID, I didn't really have to deal a whole lot with the COVID except trying to encourage the spectators and volunteers to, to use masks. And when I started out, if I, um, the big thing in Pennsylvania is 250 people is what the limit is. So you can pretty much do anything. The race I had here in my front yard here a month ago, we had 250 and it went over very well and it normally gets about 750. But um, so knowing that we we're going to be under the 250 cap, I didn't really have a lot of COVID um, restrictions over my head to make sure we can not get too many people there. And, um, you know, we, we did the bottled water choices on the course and, um, you know, a lot of the things that some of the runners took advantage of, some didn't and uh, didn't care, took the water. I mean, I took water and and Gatorade and beer on uh, cups when I passed, but uh, I didn't want to take a drink out of a bottle. So that's the risk I took, and I'm sure probably most of the other people did too. Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, from what I heard after, from the feedback from the people I talked to, and my experience was that was very felt very safe because it was small. It was very easy to right. socially distance and people were very respectful. So um, did, did you have any, um, any, any, anything on race day that you felt like you could, um, you know, that, that was a stumbling block on race day? I mean, it seemed very smooth for my, I thought everything went perfectly. Was, did anything go wrong? What do you think went well? You know, did anything surprise you on race day? You ran the race, so <laughs> you were you were a runner too. Yeah, it's a little hard to direct and uh, run and time the race, but um, I have a good crew of people that can do things while I'm running because I've I've done it for many many years. I've run, jumped in a race, run well, win place or whatever, and then jump right in the van and start doing the timing. But my buddy Kyle did all the stuff on race day, and there wasn't a lot of awards to give that day, so it was more just collecting data. So I, I, I'm sure you looked at the results on the um, website afterwards. I, we had these new track boxes that were, I use race result timing technology as my um, um, primary, primary timing um, technology right now. But they have these new boxes that are about the size of a laptop. And I just stuck them by the mailboxes, hit the button, and we collected 833 splits on the 30 people that are in there. So we have 31 splits on everybody in a race. And it was really neat to look at that to see how your first mile of each lap compared and the second mile of each lap. And uh, uh, to my knowledge, nobody's probably ever listed mile splits for a marathon. Uh, except maybe the Olympic trials or something. Yeah, no, that was that was great, and I was really fascinated by the devices as we went by, as it was. I was expecting like a timing mat and something, really, like you said, it was just a little laptop and a cone that you made sure you ran by it, and um, and I thought it was really helpful to have those. That was really neat. That I've never run a race had that, so I thought that was that was great. And, and just the fact that you were able to capture that and they all worked and it looks like you got all the time, you know, everybody had all the splits. So they all worked despite the rain, um, which great. is, you I've know, used them a few times, you know, they're pretty new. I mean, they're sort of just on the market. There's, I probably have more than any place else in the country. I'm one of the, uh, under the distributor um, force of uh, race results. And I got uh, ordered a bunch of them up front and, uh, been experimenting with some splits on some other courses, but um, it was pretty neat to grab that stuff and uh, so quick. And like you said, no mats and um, it would have been a lot of work to do that with mats and cones and just hauling it out and bringing it back in. So Mark, you had mentioned to Lisa um, when you were chatting with her after the race that this was a one and done, but now that you've done it and you've had some time to reflect and, and, and knowing that it went so well, would you consider doing another marathon and if so can you come to maryland and do one <laughs> give a lake <laughs> um we could find you one <laughs> a lake makes it hard not to cheat to cheat on the course That's right you cannot cut the course as you're gonna swim. <laughs> no seriously though would you reconsider doing another do you think that there's more in your future given that people are eager to race and particularly with Boston, um, you know, we're not sure what's going to happen with 2021. 
um, and timing and qualifications, people will certainly be looking for more BQ opportunities. Would you consider doing more of these? Um, yeah, I, I've, you know, the, the volunteers, there was a couple of volunteers that I dealt specifically with besides Terry that said, yeah, we'll come on past water for you. And, and I wasn't sure how reliable they were going to be. And I met with them a couple of days before. I says, oh yeah, we got eight people for you and we'll put four here and four there. And uh, they took care of everything with the, taking the water jugs down and tables and the music and the speakers and, and bringing everything backwards and making sure everything was cleaned up. And they said, we had a great time. And uh, the one comment well, one of them said was, um, we sure hope they want to come back next year. So, <laughs> so that sort of puts a, um, another monkey on my back. But it would not be hard to do it again. The, the hard part was getting you know, the, the, the stencils in place, and it's just a matter of repeating it. Uh, we'd use the same course. Uh, the certification process is done. Um, uh, there's probably not a lot of things I would do differently. And uh, we can handle two, three, four times as many people. So if the... Uh, the hard part will be picking when to do it. Um, if, if next year goes like this year goes and a lot of stuff are canceled, it'll be sort of easy to pick a date, especially if Boston has a virtual window of when you have to do it, that'd be easy. If races come back in full force next year, it's hard to pick a time that's, that doesn't com compete with something else. Um, the, Can I put you on the spot and ask you, yeah. would you consider a spring, a spring one? Because we know that races aren't going to fully return in spring as so many have already been canceled. Would you consider maybe a March or April date? Um, I hadn't thought of that. Um, that would be, that's not a bad question. Like I said, it wouldn't take long to put it together and it, it took, you know, it's a matter of getting the word out and if you're going to have a limit on it. Um, Pittsburgh's marathon is first week in May. So if you get too close in there, you know, the, there's not a lot of people from Pittsburgh go to Boston. Uh, they stay and run locally. So there's a, a handful of us and there's all some want to get the one and done Boston and strive to get it. But um, the weather can be really iffy in March. We can get snow clear up into early April before Boston, but that wouldn't be out of the question. If, in the fall, it'd be almost, you'd have to go, it could go November. You know, if you got Columbus and Philly and Baltimore and all those out of the way, and if somebody wanted to do another one, you could get rained on, snowed on or anything if you went early November. But um, I guess part of it, let's see what Boston does right now. If, if Boston, if Boston would, cancel for the spring and go to the fall, that would be an opportunity to do it this, around Patriot's Day, uh, since that would have a void already and it'd still be um, um, early enough in the season that people could still do anything else. So that's a good good, good, um, good suggestion. Again, it wouldn't take that long to do. It's, um, I didn't have any sponsorship. I didn't, you know, any money I made, any money I lost was mine. And then I so we probably pretty much broke even because it's, um, you know, the idea wasn't to make it a business of it, it was to make an event and for everybody to have a good time. And uh, I think I succeeded in both, both venues. Well, we'll help you promote it. If you do it again, well, we're, right. we're big fans and I'd come back up and run. It was great. And, and I think runners from our area, it's, it's not a hard trip to do. And um, it was a great course. And I thought, you know, I run now probably over 40 marathons and, and I think it was one of, the best run, I, I, the, the volunteers, the amount of volunteers you had and just the infrastructure of the race that you had rivaled. I mean, it reflects the fact that you do this for a living, but it rivaled any of the, you know, moderate size races that we do and the enthusiasm of the volunteers was, was really great. And it, it was, um, you know, I, I, I would, we will, we'll help you. So if you, okay. if you decide. Yeah, the, only, the only complaint that the security lady told me about was, um, uh, if you remember just before we went down into the trail, there was uh, just by that big parking lot where the job Johnny was, there was a guy out there with his dog and his, he had a little boom box. And when it started raining, he put his boom box in his mailbox and it, it acted like a nice speaker and it gave us nice music as we started down the trail. So the only complaint on the race was some resident that lived across the street that said the music was too loud. Aww. <laughs> and it wasn't our music because you couldn't even hear our music till you got down about the bridge. Yeah. Oh, that guy was great. I liked it. It was, you know, so nice to have, to have that to look forward to. And the, and the water stop at that point too, that volunteers were so enthusiastic. And I was telling Julie, last week that I think by like my third lap they learned that I wanted water and not Gatorade so you know they, they kind of knew what you were looking for and they they were so they were great so it was it, yeah, the one it, thing it was, I would do different next time is is promote it more within the uh, you know they have their association of members out there is to get more people to live on the lake 
to do what that guy did is to come out with some, um, not necessarily come out with water or stuff, but to come out with some music and clapping and sit and have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine while the runners go by. So I think we can get some, um, uh, some more support from a spectator standpoint if we push that a little bit. We're trying to be as uninvasive as possible. Right. You know, Terry didn't want anybody even passing water out to him because of the COVID thing. And I said, well, you know, it's, I said, I'll just promote it that it's, we'll take our own risk. If somebody's going to hand me a glass of water, um, you know, it's up to me whether I want to take it or not. So I was just hoping there was a, a, a beer in it. I'd like to have beer in a late miles of a marathon. It seems to help me as much as anything else. And, um, in Boston, I'm always looking for the guys with the red solo cups and <laughs> in circle. That's great. Well, um, before we pivot and start talking about your own running, I just want to close and say that it sounds like a huge success. And it very much reminds me of the last chance to BQ.2 series of races that have been taking place for years in um, Illinois and Grand Rapids. And um, those two are around the lake. I've participated in a few of those. And um, this very much sounds like the same formula. So again, if you decide to do one in the spring or next fall, we would be so happy and delighted to promote it. Great, great, thanks. Sure, so we wanted to switch gears um, because you have such an impressive running resume. And we wanted to talk a little bit um, with you about your running streak. And so talk to us and tell us, um, when you started running and what your streak is? Well, um, I started running uh, soon after I got out of college in 1978. I went to a little small school in West Virginia called Alderson Broadus and was one of the first uh, physician assistants in the country when they, they started that program down there. Started running soon after that and got the, and uh, I guess before that when I was in high school, I had a goal sometime before I was 40. I was one to run the Boston Marathon. Also wanted to get my pilot's license before I was 40, but by the time I turned 40, I'd run Boston 17 times and uh, never got my pilot's license. So I overachieved in one and um, probably it was uh, wise that I didn't get my pilot's license. But I started a daily streak. The last day, of, the last day I missed running was December 19th, 1979. Wow. So today is 14,888 days. Uh, January 13th will be 15,000 days in a row. So. I was excited to get the 40-year streak last, last December, and now I'm honing in on 41. I just have to interject. I have to say that my our runner's dad had told me before we started the race, he said, he's run something like 14,000 days in a row. And I said, that's incredible. And, and my whole race, I was trying to calculate in my head <laughs> how many years I'm running. I thought, that's that's impossible. That's like 40 years. Like, that that can't be. First of all, you look pretty young. So I thought, what did he start running when he was like 10 years old? I thought, I thought there's no way. He, I said, he must be wrong. It must be 1,400. It can't be 14. But it is really 14,000, now almost 15,000 days. Right. It's, um, it's, a, it's a big monkey on my back. It's someday it'll end. It's, you know, I have short goals now. It's uh, like I said, get to 41 and get 15,000, but uh, it's still another 3,000 days to get to 50 years. But um, uh, that's too far away to even think because one of these days something's going to happen. And uh, um, um, I've been suggested by a lot of people just pull the plug and stop one day and be a Cal Ripken and just say, today's the day. But, oh. uh, there's, there will be a day that I won't be able to do it or can't do it. And today's not going to be one of those days. So I'm uh, hang thankful I can still do it. Yeah, you know, there's um, uh, my form isn't the most beautiful and I've been very, very healthy over the years, but uh, uh, so many of my running friends that have had success and um, intensity for a lot of years can't do it anymore. Their knees hurt or something's blown out or they just can't do it anymore and they wish they could. So as much as I don't like to complain about my legs feeling heavy and I'm tired and uh, um, I'm only doing five today or whatever. I try to think about what my friends are that can't do it anymore. And I feel thankful for it. Amen. And what, what are your secrets to avoiding injury? Um, it wasn't intended, but I picked my parents pretty carefully. must've been. <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> uh, neither of my parents were athletes and uh, I uh, listened to my body. I guess, um, you know, if I, you know, it takes 10,000 miles under your belt to build the connective tissue strength to be able to withstand what we do on a daily basis. But um, if I get a little ache and pain, and I've had very few injuries, obviously nothing has really sidelined me for uh, in 
long period of time. The, the Boston 2018 was one of my closest when I pulled a hamstring a week before Boston. And uh, that was the worst day of my running career, that Boston, because it was I'd run a half I'd run a half marathon on the day before and then Monday morning went out and ran and all of a sudden felt this twinge in the back of my knee. And after two miles I stopped and for a week I was limping two miles a day and went into Boston knowing it was gonna be a long, long day. And if you if you were there that year, that was the year of the Trenton downpours and uh, 40 degrees and no uh, wind. And uh, uh, the, that five-hour marathon was uh, the longest day of my life. <laughs> oh, that's a tough year to have a five-hour marathon. <laughs> yeah. So you listen to your body. Do you do any strength training or anything as you um, continued your streak to prevent injury? No, actually, I don't. I um, I started yoga a year ago. I signed up. My wife and I signed up to do a yoga uh, class in town, and uh, I went overboard on it. And I think I went 179 times in one year. So I was going three and four times a week. And there was an old man group, and there was a beginners group, and a whatever. And it got to be a nice little people to go with. And um, after was that the goat yoga that was offered after the race? I forgot to mention. No, that. wasn't the goat yoga. No, it wasn't that. It wasn't them. But um, um, when, after the year, I wasn't running any faster. I didn't feel any spring year. I, was, I could maybe stretch toward my toes an extra, an inch or two than what I could before. But um, um, I, I haven't restarted. Well, I tried to restart it back up again this, or continue it this spring. But then when the COVID thing came out, the, 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 the yoga studio closed down and um, I'm, I'm not into virtual yoga. <laughs> So yeah. back to where it was before. So it was, a, it was, I don't know if I'll go back into it. If I do, I will go full time if they open the studio back up. And um, it was helpful. It was, I did some strength, a little bit of strengthening with them and some balance stuff, which helps everybody as you get older. But no, I don't lift weights. Uh, the only biking I do is when I certify courses. Um, probably the only beer they're lifting is lifting a can of beer is my, uh, <laughs> my weightlifting, pump, pumping a little iron. But um no, I, I don't stretch uh, for years and years. People would uh, just amazed that I was not injured all the time because I would be in my van typing late entries clear up till the Star Spangled Banner and then whip on my running shoes and then go out and run a 16-minute 5K and then jump in the van and and uh, start start doing all the scoring. So no warm up, no cool down with a, you know, all out in the middle. So it's a wonder if something didn't snap and you heard it in the D.C. area that uh, – I'm lucky. I'm um, I'm fortunate. Yeah, genetic, gen, some genetic gift and some, you know, some, some obviously some, luck some, some luck in there too. Yeah, you're you're you're, you're kind of like the running unicorn. You know, all of the all the things that we encourage our runners to do to maintain health. Was, you can kind of get away with it, so we'll just call you a unicorn. That's right. Yeah, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> well, you're you're more you're, you're, you are a unicorn because not only do you have a streak, a running streak of, of so many years, but you are a really fast runner. And so talk to us a little bit about your, how, how many marathons have you run to date? Um, I've run, a, and I need to look it up, but I'm right around the 170 mark. So um, I've got the 41 Bostons and I don't have any other streaks of any other marathons. I've, I've um, you know, run the New Yorks and the uh, Chicago once. My PR was at Chicago in 1990. I had 228.48. Um, ran New York a few times. I was, um, I mean, a 230.06 one year before the chip came out, where the chip would have given me that six seconds to be under 230. But oh. <laughs> that was 14th American one year there. So um, I'm certainly not a world class runner and never fast enough to qualify for the Olympic trials. But I've uh, been, I guess, the Energizer Bunny and just keep doing it. That's amazing. Uh, uh, Boston, um, I had done, been following my calculations on Boston. There's a couple of streaks. I'm, you know, 41. Uh, the record's 58. That's Johnny Kelly. We all know Johnny Kelly from Heartbreak Hill. Uh, I've got a nice statue of him here. I could tell you a story about it in a minute if you want, but I've got the yeah. miniature statue of the, the two Johnny Kellys, um, Boston, uh, um, that's on the Boston course. Anyway, the, um, 
I've, I've made a stat sheet of comparing myself to Johnny Kelly on even years. So when I was 44 and he was 44 and compared our times and I've got a spreadsheet threading on that. So I should have looked at it the night before the race because I'm, I'm 64 now and I ran 235-34. I looked it up the next day and Johnny Kelly, when he was 64, ran 235-12. Oh. <laughs> so he was 21 seconds faster at, at that age than I was at 64. So on the, that was his 40, 38th Boston Marathon. And uh, so our, our record right now in our race is he's, he's got 26 wins over me and I've got 12 wins over him on comparable years. Wow. That is statistics. Lies, damn lies and statistics. <laughs> well, you're definitely statistics is your job. So I'm sure that that's, you know, the, analyzing those race results is something that um, comes naturally. Now going towards the, like just thinking about your Boston experiences, do any in particular other than your five hour slog, do any in particular stick out in your mind as memorable? Um, you know, that's definitely the, every time I look at that picture, I just, uh, of coming down Borelson Street with a space blanket and uh, the grimace on my face. And uh, oh, it just brings back the flashback to that day. Um, the, the, the hot year was not a bad year for me. I ran uh, pretty well that year, whatever that was, 2008 or so. Um, I guess the two worst Boston's I've had was, was the one where I had the hamstring and then when I was 40. And unfortunately, it was the, the 100th running of the Boston, 1996. So I was a brand new 40-year-old. It was my 1,000th career race. And I was in shape to run a pretty good marathon. I was hoping to be you know, mid-230s. And um, I pulled, um, I cramped in my, I can't remember now, it was a calf or hamstring around 10 and a half miles. And I ended up limping, limping in in 306, which I'd give anything for a 306 now. But that was, um, I went from probably being in the um, top couple hundred at that, in, in that race at the beginning in the first 10 miles to 3,200 someplace. So I had more people pass me that day than probably every race cumulatively in my life. But that was a bad experience for me. But all in all, you know, I always have, I usually have pretty good experience at Boston. Um, it's never easy coming down the last three or four miles. It's, it's always work. And one of my timing buddies is always at the 40 K mark and he's I always look forward to him having a can of beer for me or a cup of beer to, to get me over that last hump by Fenway park. What's your advice? Um, given you've run so many, what would you tell a, a novice Boston marathoner, someone going to run the course for the first or second time? What would be your biggest tip for them? Good question. Um, you know, being in Boston so many times and I was doing it back when everybody was geeky looking and skinny and looked like they were dying of cancer and now it looks like a marathon. You know, you can, you can see the lady in Walmart and she's got a marathon medal around her neck. You know, it's not any better or not any worse than what it was back in the 70s and 80s. It's just different. You know, the good thing is people are moving. You know, that's my, it's the exciting part is people getting some calories, getting some exercise, and it's not just a competitive sport for the people up front anymore. The one thing about Boston is it's in the spring and you know, most people, I don't say most people, but you know, we, we live in the Northern hemisphere, so it's winter. So the, the months leading into Boston is winter for most people. Um, some people spend weeks, months, even years trying to qualify for Boston. You know, they'll, they'll run one, two, three, four marathons and finally get that perfect day and that perfect autumn marathon after a summer of racing, summer of training, and they squeeze in a qualifying time. Yeah, I qualify for Boston. I'm going to Boston. So now here comes April and they go to Boston and all of a sudden they think they're going to run faster. And it just doesn't happen. And Boston will... If you've ever stood at the finish line very much of Boston, it looks like half the people could be their first marathon. It doesn't take many survivors. It it will spit you up and chew you up and spit you out because it's it's a it's a hard course, but people that start too fast and don't treat it with some respect, it can beat you up pretty bad. And I feel bad for the people to think say, you know, really, you want to enjoy this race, you want to enjoy the people, you want to enjoy the spectators, enjoy the event, because you want to be able to come home and says, I could have done it faster. You don't want to come home with your tail wagging between your legs and feel like 
I got beat. <laughs> and um, that happens more times than not at Boston. That's my biggest advice for anybody that's never run Boston is going to do it the first time is do it once, maybe do it twice or whatever, but don't look at it as a PR course because it's, it's not a PR course unless you can really challenge those hills. That's a great advice. And your, as your, your point to the weather as well, so many of us are used to training, like you said, through the cold and then Boston, you can get any, we've gotten everything over the years and you've seen more than we've even seen, but we've right. had hot years. The Boston weather is one day off. It's the perfect weather is either the day before or the day after. Uh, oh, yeah. My marathon here, you know, yep. <laughs> we've had 37 <laughs> degrees. It's 7 o'clock. The last three days has been 37 and it's gone up to 60. I know that was that was the talk before the marathon started. Everyone was saying, "Oh, can we do this tomorrow?" It's supposed to be like forty something in the morning, and we dry. Had, we haven't had rain for three weeks. The only period of rain we had was those five hours. I mean, we've had blue skies yeah. here and not a drop of rain and nothing for the rest of the week and nothing before the marathon. And it was just like Boston, two thousand eighteen. You know, they could predict. You know, they're never right with the weather, but they were right that day when it was going to be ninety nine percent chance of rain on you know April. 13th that day and it was uh it was it happened <laughs> yeah but our, our weather was much warmer last weekend and i was very grateful for that because i don't know if i could do another boston 2018 so we had much warmer weather and 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 you know a lot of fluctuation throughout the race there were there were plenty of dry time there were plenty of very wet times too so um we had you know we only had maybe a mile or two that was really that rain if it had kept up that, that downpour for 10 miles, it would have been really miserable, but it didn't last very long. And it was, um, you know, we didn't have the, the humidity. I mean, sun and humidity are the worst things, as you know, it's, it's going to beat you up. And we certainly didn't have any sun that morning and there was no wind. And, um, and I, I have a theory, I call it the groundhog theory of marathons. If you wake up in the morning and see your shadow, you should probably go back to bed. <laughs> worst enemy. That's good advice. That, that is good advice. <laughs> So let's just close it out with, we, we were talking at the very beginning, you and I, about, um, you know, how our recovery is and, and, you know, you said you've been running just a few miles every day and, and that you're finding it hard to be motivated without any, any races on the calendar. And I think a lot of us are feeling that. So just tell us a little bit about, you know, what, what you're looking forward to now, like how you're, how you're going to stay on track, what your plans are and, um, you know, thoughts for the, for the next coming months. Uh, being a, really haven't picked anything out that I really want to do or need to this next few weeks. I'm uh, busy with cross country season, uh, timing high school and uh, championships and uh, local meets. Um, you know, I have my, my uh, little, my, I guess my daily diary and it's not much of a diary. It's just a spreadsheet that I put the miles in and who I run with. And um, I start adding up my miles every month. Um, I'm, you know, I've had more miles for this one than I did even if it had been in April. Um, I'm just around 1,900 miles for the year. So I should hit around 2,500 for the year, which is about a little over 200 a month. And uh, that's in the same ballpark as what I normally get. So as I, as, as I start adding the miles in there and I see them behind, it, whether I want to do it or not, I'll force myself to squeeze an extra five-mile run him here and there. And, you know, I'll, I'll get to it. It's, um, I, I, I want – I need 600 more miles in the next three months. So it'll, it'll happen. Yeah. What do you, what, and, and one real final, <laughs> I'll make it really the final question. What do you think is going to happen with Boston next year? Uh, good question. They haven't opened up registration yet and I don't think they need to be in a hurry to do it because they, in the past, they used to close registration in February before they had all this lottery stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm and they still have plenty of time to put it together, uh, doing all this stuff super early gave them a lot of time to send your emails to confirm your shirt size and to confirm every little email of, of every part of your registration. Um, so they can easily wait till after the first year to, to do anything. I remember one year uh, they even, they called me. I'd run maybe, I was probably in the 20, 30, I don't know if I had 25 in you or not, but registration hadn't closed up yet. It hadn't filled up yet. And they called me and says, uh, Mark, you're going to register. And I wouldn't get that nowadays. It's said, oh, yeah, I was going to get around to it and send my entry in. But um, I, um, I, uh, I think they could wait till February and still 
you know, when they have a better feel for what's going to happen. And the whole COVID thing was what's going to happen, one, after the election, and two, what happens when the flu season starts again in November again. If all this backlashes and we get the COVID in uh, full force again, you know, it's going to be terrible on not just the running industry, but the entire economy. You know, we, we, we can't take another year like this. There's a lot of people have suffered and uh, those who are still working are able to, have been able to make things work, but we can't sustain this. <laughs> so something's going to have to happen, whether the election is going to be any good with it or not. Well, we've got 46 days to find that out. Yep. <laughs> Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Your insight is invaluable. We love hearing um, about Boston from your perspective and, of course, uh, race directing from your perspective. And uh, we hope to be in touch and we'll see what the next few months brings. But we will definitely reach out and do our best to uh, see what we can do to promote you and hopefully bring another opportunity for NotSob. And real quick, can you tell our listeners what NotSob is for those who don't know? <laughs> Right, NOTSOB, N-O-T-S-O-B. I was trying to think of a fancy name for it. And uh, real quick, that was Boston spelled backwards. <laughs> and um, a lot of people didn't figure it out. Uh, I waited for people to ask. It's just like when I never tell people what my first name is, if they, I make them guess before I tell them what it is. But um, yeah, people thought it was a sponsor or whatever. And uh, I started using the byline of Boston Fever Reliever. Um, I thought that was a pretty neat um, subtitle to make it and that's probably what I'll keep the name of it or keep them both together the Boston fever because we've all got the fever we want to run Boston but this relieved that fever and uh, made it a, a pleasant day so so I used the colors there your race numbers were yellow and blue with the uh, Boston colors and I didn't want to copy too much from Boston because I didn't want that you can't use the word Boston the marathon in the same sentence as uh, copyrighted stuff so I tried to play play on words and um, features that uh, brought Boston to you without actually, uh, um, I, I think they promoted anything was out there. You know, I think they were happy for people to do things like this. And I, I wish I had sent some more pictures up to their site. Um, you feel free to send anything up to them because um, some people have had some interesting and uh, exciting virtual marathons that they've done. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving us that opportunity. I am similar to you in that I haven't gotten into the virtual running bug and I was really um, just, uh, I wasn't really looking forward to running this race by myself and you're, you know, here locally and just do my normal, normal loop. And so I, I thank you for giving me this opportunity because it brought some excitement back to me and gave me a little race day excitement that we haven't felt in a long time. So thank you so much. And we will definitely, I will be back there to run some races if you put them on. So okay. thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. I appreciate this. And it's, uh, it was fun for me to talk with both of you. And uh, do you, did I send you both your pictures? Yes, you, you said, yep, got, got the pictures. So thank anybody you. Anybody that sent me an email, because we were taking pictures of everybody at the finish. So anybody that sent yep, me an email. I got I, those finished pictures, which was great. I mean, really, like this was like a full service marathon. Like you always responded to emails super quickly. Your um, cute little boxes that were left at the hotel with our, you know, I've got my, my shirt on now with our, like our waist swag. Everything was very, um, you know, it's, top-notch, very responsive, and very, you know, you sent those pictures. So uh, great, great race, great race experience. Great, great. So, yeah, thank you. I ever get down, yeah, the, I'm sure you've run the North Central Trail Marathon. Are you on that one in, in we, we, well, we haven't run it, but we, we, know, we know it. So, yeah, anytime you're down in, in the D.C. area, let us know. We'll, we'll come join you and come cheer you on. Cool. Well, thank you, ladies. Enjoy. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryan. And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.